Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Friday, March 3rd edition of the Basement Academy. Uh, as we get going with our uh, morning reflection, and it's going to be an interesting reflection, it, both questions coming from two different people kind of land in the place of how do we handle emotions and our faith. And, and so uh, hopefully you'll uh, hang around for the, for the full uh, study here. Uh, but let me read Psalm 3 at first, and it's one that actually, you know, pulls in some emotions. This is a psalm when David fled from his son Absalom. Ooh, what a situation, huh? O Lord, how many are my foes, how many rise up against me. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Mm. Gosh, imagine that. Your own son would rise up against you. And maybe some of us have had something like that. <clears throat> what a very emotional experience. It's calling out to God to be the protector and defender, which I think is important. So a couple questions uh, from the Academy. Uh, James chapter 1, let me read it first. Uh, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And so the question is this. James 1, 19 and 20 seems to state that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It does say that, right? And so three questions that I've kind of bundled into one statement here. Is anger always sinful? But three questions. Does scripture contain any instances where human anger is pleasing to God? Is there any place in an obedient life for human anger? And is human anger intrinsically sinful? Great questions, all kind of revolving around the, the anger, the, its role or place in our lives. Does scripture contain any instances where human anger is pleasing to God? Yes. <clears throat> Not many. <laughs> Plenty of instances where human anger is expressed inappropriately. Cain became very angry at Abel and takes him out in the field and does away with him, right? <clears throat> but in Mark chapter 3, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand, a shriveled hand, in the synagogue, and the Pharisees are having none of it, and Jesus becomes angry at them. And so <clears throat> he's already had an encounter out in the fields where his disciples are picking uh, the, the grain and eating it on the Sabbath, and they're being accused of being unlawful and breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, speaking of himself. And then chapter 3 of Mark. Another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? to save life 
or to kill. But they remained silent. They should have answered, right? They, should, they know the answer to that. He looked around at them in anger and, said, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. And then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So Jesus is angry at their stubbornness and hardness of heart. He does not, he does not act towards them. He does not do anything against them. But that, that anger propels him and he says, stretch out your hand. And they go out in their anger and begin to plot how to kill him, right? So this is such a beautiful contrast. There is a role for human anger in an obedient life. Jesus, perfectly obedient, never sinned, so this is not sin. So the anger is not intrinsically sinful. And so what we have to, under do, to understand is what anger is. Obviously, it's a human emotion, and it's emotion that God has endowed us with that capacity for, for good reason. Anger is like the warning system, okay? Picture, I'm kind of picturing that FAA facility over there, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at the radar, all of a sudden, if you see that, you know, something's getting ready to happen, maybe some intruders coming, there's a warning, we need to act. Anger is that awareness that something is wrong. Typically, that there's a, the, 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 the way I think life should be going right now is not going the way I think it should be going and I become angry. So often it's, it's a cousin to frustration, right? We become frustrated and then it spills into anger and then our anger often leads to angry words or angry actions or impulsive, uh, reactive um, uh, actions. But anger is a warning system. It alerts us that we sense a violation, something is going wrong here. And so it, it also quickens us. It, it, you know, our heart rate increases, adrenaline pumps, and so we're ready for action. Anger is helpful and it's valuable. So Jesus became angry, but he did not act towards the Pharisees. He put them in their place by healing the man. He had the appropriate expression of his anger. He was distressed, he was angry, he was frustrated, I think, at them. Doesn't say that, but we can, we can imagine that scenario. And so Jesus demonstrates the kingdom, the power of the kingdom, which exposes the falseness of the Pharisaic religion, which is probably what's behind his anger. You guys are supposed to be the shepherds of Israel. You're the ones who are supposed to lead. You're the ones who are supposed to understand that on the Sabbath, you can do good. On the Sabbath, you can heal. And so they have taken the Sabbath completely and turned it upside down. And now man is made for the Sabbath. But you see, they liked it because they were the ones sitting on top of the rules. They were the rule keepers. So they were just sitting there judging. And that's why he's angry. But in his anger, he doesn't strike out at them. He heals. He restores and in so doing exposes them for the, for the uh, charlatans and the frauds that they really are. They, in anger, go off and plot how to kill him, okay? So most of the time, human anger does not uh, find a good place, okay? So it's understanding 
<clears throat> so I think, you know, James's counsel in our anger, rather than being quick to listen, quick to assess, quick to discern what's going on, we're slow to listen, we're slow to assess, we are slow to discern what's actually happening. We are quick to speak. <laughs> we are quick to, to pop off. We're quick to raise our fist or raise our voice. So we, we invert it. And so that's what James is, is counseling, that human anger often does not bring about, it does not bring about the righteous life because we don't do what anger is supposed to lead us to do, and that is assess so we, the anger triggers with the sense of a threat. We assess that there is a threat. Let's go assess the threat. Is it really threatening? What is the best response? So I can imagine a scenario where, you know, parents are sitting in the stands and the children are playing on the field, uh, you know, Little League, let's say, and all of a sudden, you know, little Bobby does something and the coach starts to yell and other dads start to yell. And all of a sudden, you know, hey, Bob, you quit talking to my kid. You know, I, I'm angry that my kids, you know, Bobby's being, you know, called out or whatever. But there's other ways of handling Bob. Hey, Bob, Bob, Bob. Hey, let, let me handle this one. Okay. Let, let, let me handle it. You know, so there's an appropriate expression, you know, but I begin to get angry and, and usually our anger just spills, right? We're not quick to listen. We're not quick to discern. We're not quick to, to assess all of what's going on. We're not quick to think through how can I best handle the situation so I don't escalate? How can I de-escalate the situation? No, most of us kind of relish the anger. Men in particular, right? I mean, not that women don't get angry. Certainly they do. But men in particular, it's kind of socially acceptable. It's almost masculine. It's almost macho to kind of, oh yeah, well, we bully up. You know, we kind of flex up in voice and tone of voice and loudness, maybe a threatening gesture. You know, we see that often on the sports field. You know, you, you know guys kind of put their chest out and and it's, it's ludicrous. I mean, we watch it. We're so used to it. We don't realize it's not righteousness, right? I've always appreciated Coach Tony Dungy, who I think never raised his voice on the field. And I look at coaches who are yelling and yelling and I go, you know, might be the right thing to say, but it's the wrong way to say it. Okay. So anyway, hopefully this has gotten, um, gotten at the, the, the answer a little bit. But it, and so maybe that spills into the, the second question, which <clears throat> says, do negative emotions reveal a lack of faith or a weak faith? Or is it a part of the human nature to feel these at times? And it is, is it more than just at times where it is a weak faith or lack thereof? And then reference to Dr. Henry Cloud's study that uh, many of our women are doing, the mentally healthy faith. And so just wondering my thoughts on that. Great question. I think it dovetails with the um, question about anger. Okay, so do negative emotions reveal a lack of faith or a weak faith? Um, my short answer is no. They don't reveal a lack of faith or a weak faith. <clears throat> what negative emotions reveal is our humanity. 
and the human condition more broadly. And a reminder that we live east of Eden, that, that we live in a world where all is not well. Okay, we are not well. Our world is not well. But let, let, let me ask a question back rhetorically. What do you mean by negative emotions? So I wrote down just a few negative emotions. Sadness, many would consider sadness to be a negative emotion. Discouragement, a softer form of sadness, sadness. Anxiety, fear, worry, panic. Most of us just live in a place of constant worry or anxiety, right? We're so used to it, we might not even think about that as a negative emotion. It's just the way we live our lives. But anxiety, fear, panic, depression. Is that an emotion or a state? But, you know, when people are depressed, just have, I just have no desire to live. You know, just negative thoughts, okay? Anger, rage, okay? Being furious. So there's, all, there's a whole spectrum of words we could talk about. Those anger emotions, frustrated, that, that borders on anger that leads to outrage or rage and fury, just, you know, where people are completely out of control. How about haughtiness? <laughs> Good grief, look at that person. To be haughty and to look down on somebody, is that a negative emotion? Mm, I would probably put it there. Pride, the bad kind, right? I'm better than everybody. How about envy? or jealousy, or greed. Because each of these, you know, greed has an emotional quality to it. I see something, I want it. Envy is I see somebody else has it, and I'm, I kind of burn. I, I can't believe they've got that. I want what they've got. And I'm, I'm sad that they have something. I can't be happy in their good fortune. I have to be sad. So, so, do negative emotions reveal a lack of faith or a weak faith? So I'm not sure exactly which negative emotion was in reference there, but there's a whole um, palette, as it were, kind of the artist palette. <laughs> you got the blues and the reds uh, and the yellows, the primaries that you can combine, but you also have, you, you put black in there, right? <laughs> And then all of a sudden you mix the black with other and you get shades of color. And so the darker shades, so all these, these negative emotions. I think some of it is that we, we live in a world that falsely suggests we should be happy all the time. You know, what we watch on the tele, I'm looking at my television over there. You know, we look at the television and all the people in the ads are happy all the time because they bought this new car or they use this you know, lipstick or they drink this soda, you know, whatever. Everybody's cheery and happy all the time. And, and our Christian world sometimes gets seduced into the same kind of thinking. Be happy all the time. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again, rejoice. I, I know those scriptures. <laughs> Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Come into his presence with thanksgiving and song. But we, we just don't live there, right? You know, we live east of Eden. We live in these human bodies. And so again, it's understanding what, not just what anger is as one emotion, what our emotions are. They are guides. They are clues. They are indicators. They are markers. So with anger, it is that clue. It is that guide to say something's wrong. It's a warning sign. Sadness, greed, 
haughtiness, um, anxiety are clues. They, if we, if we could go, okay, I'm feeling this thing. What is going on in me? And so to get curious about that, to, to, to take, pull, pull the, pull the uh, clue out and go, okay, why am I feeling this way? I just watched, I saw somebody's Facebook post and all of a sudden I find myself being envious. What's going on in me? Why am I feeling envious? Okay. Um, I did, I made some reference uh, last year to Brene Brown's book, The Atlas of the Heart or Atlas of the Heart. So let me commend that. And it just unpacks all kinds of human emotions and just to see what they are to help us understand because as we journey through this life, we are sentient feeling beings. We are, God made us this way so that when we feel the happiness, we give thanks. When we feel the sadness, we pray, right? When we feel the greed, we evaluate and go, God has provided for me. Okay, so what's supposed to happen is the emotions that we feel, we need to be quick to listen to those emotions, quick to listen to what my heart is saying, be slow to speak, be slow to react, be quick to assess, go, okay, what's going on in me? What, what has happened that all of a sudden I find myself feeling this way in a way that I don't wish to feel at this moment. Again, that's what probably qualifies for a negative emotion. I don't want to feel this way right now. What's going on? So the assessment then leads to some action. So when I'm feeling greedy or envious, I, we should assess and go, wait a second, why am I feeling sad that this person, you know, won the lottery, <laughs> whatever? you know, that their, their child made a good grade or their husband or, or wife, you know, got a promotion at work, you know, some, some good thing happened to them. Why am I feeling sad? And then this is where knowing the scripture is helpful so that we then assess that and say, wait a second, God has provided for everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I should rejoice with those who rejoice. <laughs> I should be glad that God has provided me. So, so if we're feeling envious, we're feeling greedy, we're feeling some jealousy over the good fortune of others, if we are quick to listen to our heart, we can slow down our self-talk, our words, our action, our reaction. If we can slow it down and remember God's word, we can then turn to rejoice with this person, drop them a note. Hey, heard the good news. So happy for you. Praying God's blessings continually on your life. Drop them a note of gratitude and appreciation and encouragement. And then thank you, God, for providing for me that I have your precious promises that I will never lack. So that's an example of how it could happen. But Typically, we're not quick to listen. We're not quick to assess. We're not quick to discern. We are slow to listen to our hearts, slow to discern, slow to do the inner work. And we're quick to speak and to act, right? And the action often is angry or reactive um, in, in some way. And so um, uh, the scripture says, be transformed, Romans chapter 12, verse two, be trans, uh, maybe verse three, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that our emotions are guides 
Here's the thing. They are sometimes not reliable guides. When I am not feeling loved, that my heart is not telling me the truth. I am loved. I am loved by family. I'm loved by friends, but I'm always loved by God, right? So these emotions are guides, but sometimes they're unreliable guides. And so we need to assess, we need to discern in light of what we know to be true of God's word and of ourselves made in his image. When we feel worthless, we are not worthless. We are of great value. God sent his son to die for us. And so it's this atlas of the heart. That it's do, learning to do the interior work, the inner work. And most of us just don't do it. We don't know how to do it. We, it takes time to do. It's, it's sometimes very exhausting because to do these evaluative kinds of exercises, we sometimes trace back to what I'm feeling now is actually taking me back to childhood. And the first time I remember feeling this way was when my dad was yelling at me or, you know, the coach yelled at me or I missed the, the, the team. I didn't, you know, wasn't selected for the cheerleading squad or, you know, whatever. And so we've been feeling these negative thoughts. And so there's some deep roots. And so most of us just don't do the inner uh, work, the patient work of, of uh, reflection. And, and we don't have reliable guides, you know. So this is the work of spiritual direction or spiritual formation. It's good to be in conversation with pastors, counselors, therapists who have a faith-based framework, in my opinion, that, that would be helpful, who can listen and ask questions and probe. And sometimes we don't know how to ask the question that a, a, a person outside of us, a pastor, a friend, a counselor can ask a good question that un, unlocks a new door. And we go, I never saw it that way. I never thought about it. Hey, let me think more about that. So emotions are not an indication of weak faith or lack of faith at all. They may indicate that we're, well, they do indicate that we're human and we live east of Eden and we know the world is not right and we participate in that not rightness. We are not fully well and whole. But they're typically more an indicator not of weak faith, but of just, I haven't strengthened that muscle to do that hard work of evaluating uh, my emotions. I don't think a fully formed human being then is like a robot. They're not Spock who are emotionless. We feel these emotions. We feel the sadness. Sadness is the right emotion sometimes when we lose a loved one or something. So we weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. So sometimes our emotions do reliably guide us to the right place. And so in that place of sadness and grief, we give thanks to God for the life of this loved one. We pray to God for uh, this situation that we're sad about to turn around. And so prayer is often the, the best response, uh, the early response. And that's why the Psalms are so helpful. So David is praying his anger. He's praying his fear. He's praying his anxiety as Absalom rises up against him. And would that we learn to do the same, okay? All right, gone on long enough. Uh, let's wrap up the day and wrap up the week there and we'll pick up on Monday with some more questions, okay? Let's pray. And so, Father, thank you uh, for the richness of our emotional lives uh, and as complex and tangled as they sometimes get, Lord, we pray that you would teach us 
the quickness to listen, the quickness to assess, the quickness to discern, and to be slow to react and to, and to bur- outburst and to speak. And, and we pray for each of us for reliable guides, family members, uh, friends, counselors, pastors, others, uh, books who can help us to sort through our emotions and lead us to a, a place of grace uh, and truth. And so, Father, uh, watch over us as we head into this weekend. Uh, keep us in your care as we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our, other, our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God keep you, watch over you, bless you, nurture you, um, lead you to places of good pasture and quiet water this day and forevermore. Amen.